birds, and other exotic pets. Located in Keshekta, New York, and on the web at dogmountainlodge.com. And from listeners like you. Welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And tonight, it's a Monday night. That's when we check in with Joseph Abraham. Joe Abraham, Sullivan County Democrat Weekly News Roundup on a Monday. That's coming up with the latest local news in the second half of the program. Also, opposition to Governor Kathy Hochul's choice for chief judge in New York State is only growing, and some say she should withdraw the name of Hector LaSalle, pick out someone else instead. We've got the latest from Albany. But first, Sullivan County Drug Task Force is adding something new to its arsenal as they try to help improve the lives of those impacted by substance use. Drug Task Force comprises agencies and individuals uniting in a common cause to reduce stigma, protect the vulnerable, coordinate resources based on data driven needs with prevention and treatment strategies support those who protect Sullivan County. Wendy Brown's a deputy commissioner of health and family services. She's also the co-chair of Sullivan County drug task force. And she also happens to be on the phone with us now to tell us more about what is in store for the drug task force here in 2023. Now that the year is underway, Wendy Brown, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be able to spend time with everybody this evening. Talk about all the exciting stuff we're doing. Um, this so the the, the new uh, components that you're adding to the d- drug task force. We're uh, referring to some of these components as pillars. What are the existing pillars, and then what's the new one going to be? Okay, so when we first um, reorganized the county's drug task force. You know, I I know your regular listeners are very engaged in what goes on, and certainly now with all the media coverage um, about opioids, thank goodness, you know, now that the the federal government is really looking at this on a different level, money is being poured in to address this. Now it's getting a lot more attention, which is great, because anything that we can do to – raise the flag and say we have a problem here is terrific. When we started this, uh, this new design of the task force, we knew then, looking at the numbers, that, you know, there's no one quick solution to this. This has been a problem that has been around for eons, and it doesn't, you know, to quote Hillary Clinton, it takes a village. There is no one approach that is going to fix this. So when um, the... Uh, I don't want to say retired because she's not retired, but when Megan Galligan, the previous DA, and I started talking about this, we came up with this pillar strategy, which is something that I would love to say I dreamed up on my own. It's not the case. It's been used. It was actually started in New York State in Erie, Pennsylvania, in Erie County, and they uh, took all their different um, organizations that had to contribute, that they knew how to contribute to address the opioid issue. So on our task force here in Sullivan County, we have a data pillar. We have a medical providers pillar. We have a hope and prevention pillar, which is really outreach and education. We have a United Sullivan, which is um, under Commissioner Little, and that is kind of pulling together different agencies. We have policy reform, which is headed by 
Assemblywoman Gunther, and a community member, Judy Balaban. We have law enforcement, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. We have the treatment programs, which is headed by the uh, Director of Community Services, Melissa Stickle. And then we have a new pillar, which we, <clears throat> which we added the end of last year, called the CARES Pillar. It's, it, and what that focuses on is moms and babies and the issues surrounding addiction, specifically dealing with moms and babies, because that is a whole uh, category by itself. Um, that deserves a lot of attention. We've got some great people on that. Karen Holden, the acting director of public health, has partnered uh, this year with Jana Walters, one of public health nurse, and Jana also works with the Department of um, Child Protective Services. The new reform to this year is we've made a little bit of a change with the law enforcement pillar, and we're adding a veterans pillar. And when we committed in the beginning to start this task force, we said at the very beginning that the task force would be a dynamic task force and that our focus would change to match the needs of the community. To that end, we have brought the Veterans Pillar on. We're really, really excited. We have some great agencies. We have vet to vet through ACI, uh, ATI. We have... Um, the county's veterans, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs are going to be participating in that, and also the VA, the um, Hudson Valley VA, is taking up uh, a spot in that. As a matter of fact, they're going to help co-chair the pillar along with um, Ryan Fuller, who heads up the Vet to Vet program in Sullivan and Orange County. We also are looking for veterans in the community because our task force gets its strength from the people that are actually out there doing the work, people that have been, uh, been impacted by substance use disorder and that ha or have had family members, which at this point, if uh, we said raise your hand to your radio audience, we everyone in one way or another has been impacted by substance use. And we want to get people that are, quote, unquote, the end users involved in the program too. So <clears throat> for this year, and it's early, so things can, you know, stay tuned, pardon the pun. Um, changes can come up also. The, vet, the veteran pillar is the newest. And then under the law enforcement pillar, um, we're very pleased that Sheriff Schiff will remain as one of the co-chairs. But uh, Liberty Chief of Police, Steve Degata, is going to co-chair with uh, Sheriff Schiff. And then, of course, that all comes under uh, a Acting DA Brian Kennedy and myself chair the entire the entire task force. So those are some of the modifications. But we've really got the right people in the right places, and we're looking to do a lot more dynamic outreach. Um, you know, where last year or December we were, all the pillar teams were supposed to be coming up with a list of their accomplishments uh, for last year, as well as goals going into 2023. And you know it. The changes that need to take place aren't happening fast enough for me, and they're not happening fast enough for the people that live the day-to-day -day substance use issue and are impacted by substance use. But when you take time to step back and look at what we've done over the last two years, we've brought more treatment programs into the area. Um, you know, Aileen Gunther and Judy Balaban, the policy pillar, have really gotten some things, um, you know, some bills on the table. Um, we have some great, we were able to bring new treatment providers, Melissa Stickles Pillar. You know, we have the first methadone maintenance program, 
in Sullivan County. And one of the things that the task force discovered was that there wasn't a method on maintenance program here in Sullivan County. So people that were using method on maintenance as a form of treatment had to travel sometimes you know, three and four hours a day back and forth to get to the two or three times a week to get to their provider to help them get the medication that they need to stay on track and get their lives back together again. But how do you, how is that a normal life for someone? You know, so we were able to, a, a lot of collaborative effort, um, we, oh, well, we didn't open, uh, Lexington Center for Recovery opened their first uh, dosing station here in Sullivan County. That was really, really a heavy lift. Another real positive was, and I don't know how many of your listeners have seen this, the Bridge Back to Life van. One of the things that we heard over and over is that there are people in outlying areas of the county that couldn't get to services. So, again, another another private um, company came in, worked with us in the county, put together this phenomenal outreach van, and it is like something like the Starship Enterprise, this this van that they have, it has all sorts of services in it, but they can take it to the far-reaching ends of the county and to bring services to people, and they really have gone out of their way to reach out to communities to say, you know, where is it? You invite us, we will come, and um, it's, a, it's a very robust program. It's taken a little while to get moving because it's a new concept, but, um, you know, the help is out there, and they're helping people every day. So now I'll come up for air and let you ask me a question. <laughs> Well, that was, that was, that was, that was great. Uh, thank you for pausing for, for me. I don't have a lot more to add to this, but I mean, well, a few things. Go back to the beginning of what you said that, you know, that you acknowledge that a, a lot of Radio Catskill listeners are kind of on top of this news, but it's, it's always good, even for those who, who, who think they're on top of it to, to get some of these details. Cause I'm here for, you know, I'm here for the local edition. I'm here for production for the Kingfisher project, things like that. And, um, right. and you, you hear so much about this stuff. It's kind of hard to keep track of what's going on. So I, well, I appreciate you know, hearing these details. The Kingfisher, I've, I've got to give a big shout out to Julie and the Kingfisher project because I was relatively new to this environment um, up here in Sullivan County. I, I worked, I've been in healthcare longer than dirt, but um, I was an emergency nurse for years and years and years. But it was the Kingfisher program when, when my husband and I first moved up here that really introduced me to what was going on here in Sullivan County. And, you know, they've been really, the, you know, kind of the cream in the Oreo, keeping a lot of this together. And they helped us in the beginning reach out to the community and get other members on board. And, you know, I would really be remiss if I did not. And I'm actually sitting in a parking lot because I'm going to do a, pre a presentation to some Boy Scouts and their families. Um, you know, really be remiss at this point if I didn't raise the flag about the fentanyl issue. Uh, you know, this weekend, all over the news, talking about, Fentanyl, fentanyl being mixed in um, in different types of drugs, and then also the incidents with the gummies that are out there and kids getting a hold of these gummies. I mean, you you just cannot be vigilant enough. The information comes out and changes on a daily basis. Last year, our stats for Sullivan County um, showed that we had 25 people that succumbed to um, a narcotic overdose. And, you know, if you've ever heard Sheriff Schiff speak, he speaks very eloquently about the influx of drugs um, and what's coming across, what's coming in, how it's mixed. You know, the, the PD, the police departments 
are on top of this, but it's like putting your finger in a dike. And there's so much more that we have to do. Narcan training, Narcan training, Narcan training. We have a very robust, I think, Jill Hubert-Simon, who heads the county's um, Narcan training program. I believe we're probably close to 900 people that were trained last year alone. And we pretty much will go any place, anytime, anywhere, community groups, one-on-one, whatever it is you need, we're there to help get this Narcan out in the community. You know, it uh, saves lives. Yeah, so the, so the drug, drug task force, you have these different pillars, you have these uh, key individuals or individuals representing uh, entities that you're working with. Are you just, uh, I'm just wondering uh, how you work uh, kind of on a week-to-week basis. Are you just kind of coordinating everyone in your role, or do you have any kind of regular or even infrequent meetings where all of these players uh, sit down together and catch up? Absolutely, absolutely. The pillar, the pillar leads. And right now there are nine pillars, so there's nine teams, and the meetings of the individuals on those teams, the way they meet, that's up to the pillar, the individual pillar leads. Some pillars have been, are really good at it and can meet. They do email, they do Zoom, uh, they have, you know, now we can have in-person meetings again, which is really good. Our pillar leads, which would be about 18 of us, come together every two months. Because remember, these are all, these are all people that are, you know, busy. Everybody has jobs. So we're asking them to take, you know, probably about two hours additional to the, to their regular pillar meetings. We come together as pillar meetings, new leads, exchange ideas. I also kind of, I try to get to every pillar meeting I can possibly go to. Um, so I can be a presence and here and then share information back and forth. Right. So every two months, the pillar leads get together, and then twice a year we committed to having open uh, drug task force meetings, which are open to everybody in the community to come and listen. Our last meeting was, I want to say it was the end of October, excellent information. We try to do an educational presentation if that's necessary, but also we want to give the, the community time to ask questions and say what's going on, what's happening. Remember, these pillars, these pillars all have community members on them, and if there's someone listening that's saying, what can I do? I want to do more. Give my office a call. I will happily hook you up with one of the pillar leads. Um, we're, we're really pretty busy. I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger, to say the least. But I love it. I love it because I love the people I work with. It's a need. And, you know, the great thing about Sullivan County is when the chips are down, boy, this this county comes together. Our legislative groups have been very supportive, um, you know, and we just we have to lick this. And like I said in the beginning, nobody can do this one-on-one. It's got to be a group approach, and, and that's what we're doing. All right, Wendy, we're going to have to go here in just less than a minute. Um, but if you could uh, give your phone number, because you, you mentioned calling you. Let's give your phone number a couple times and any other places uh, where people can go to get in more information. Sure. My phone number in my office is 845-292-845. No, I lied already. <laughs> it's eight, I don't call myself very often. Right. It's uh, 845-513-2259. That's 845-513-2259. I am in the district attorney's office, and that's at 26 Hamilton. 
I'm there most times if I'm not out in the county. And also, um, I and this is, uh, you know, we have the Hope Not Handcuffs program, which right. is really important also. I should have spent a little more time on that, but hopefully we'll have the opportunity to check again. You'll see the signs across the county, and that's also something else that, uh, you know, was brought here through the Drug Task Force. So it's all good. It's easy way for people to get help. And we have a, um, a helpline that if you were holding a candle to my finger, I couldn't remember the money, the, the <laughs> right. uh, number at this moment. Okay. But the, we can get it to you. I'm sure you can put it up on your uh, site. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it may already be there. Uh, Wendy Brown, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And we're going to be talking more about this because we're going to have the new acting district attorney on uh, pretty soon here as well. So we can talk more about I Hope Not Handcuffs then. Wendy Brown, thank you for being with us tonight. Alrighty, thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a good evening. Once again, Wendy Brown, Deputy Commissioner of Health and Family Services for Sullivan County, the co-chair of the Sullivan County Drug Task Force, Monday evenings when we do our regular check-in with Sullivan County. When we come back, we'll do our regular Monday night check-in with a weekly news roundup from the Sullivan County Democrat. You are listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. She hasn't laid out much of an agenda. So I'm looking forward to the state of the state to see exactly what she has. Karen DeWitt, Senior Albany Correspondent for New York State Public Radio, speaking about Governor Kathy Hochul recently. It gives us some idea of what this upcoming address means for both Governor Hochul's agenda and the ability of New Yorkers to understand it. So Radio Catskill is going to air it live. Join us for the New York State of the State address Tuesday afternoon at 1 on Radio Catskill. We're back with the local edition. It's Monday, and so we check in with Sullivan County Democrat. And our own Patricio Rabio spoke to Joseph Abraham, managing editor of Sullivan County Democrat, earlier today. And they first start off talking about a development that's happening in Forestburg called Lost Lakes and how they're now suing the town over anti-Semitism. Here's Joseph Abraham. Yeah, so there's been some, uh, it's been a multiple month thing where, uh, People representing the projects, Lost Lake Holdings and then Misconos Maza LLC, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, um, who've been claiming uh, that the town board of Forestburg has been discriminatory uh, towards them. Many of them are Orthodox uh, Hasidic uh, Jews. And uh, so uh, there's been some uh, anti-Semitic uh, discrimination allegations made uh, through this process, uh, I believe. They had some appeals relating to the project uh, and some beliefs of uh, misuse of escrow funds relating to the project by the town. So uh, lawsuits, uh, like I said, there's a, fe- a filed complaint uh, recently uh, on behalf of the two uh, rep- on the people representing the by the people representing the two projects, the lawyers um, against the town. And uh, at the last town board meeting on Thursday was the latest development. Uh, several people came. To, to kind of uh, express displeasure with the town relating to uh, being more sympathetic to obviously the Lost Lakes and this Gonos, uh, Maza, um, discussions. And then, um, sort of, uh, the complaint 
that was filed uh, addresses multiple instances in which uh, uh, the town members and members of the community allegedly exhibited anti-Semitic behavior and discriminatory comments dating all the way back to the purchasing of the property from former owners Double Diamond LLC uh, to the recent denial of some building permits um, for all but one of the Lost Lake properties. So after the, the pro, like, uh, or on the side of the Lost Lakes, uh, people in attendance spoke. Uh, there was also some pushback from members of the town board, from other public commenters who were present that were calling the comments against the town slanderous. Uh, following the public comment, town supervisor Dan Hogue responded by saying that the town is unable to officially comment uh, on pending litigation. Uh, additionally, the town passed a resolution that will actually allow them to accept monetary donations after receiving a correspondence letter from a Sullivan County native who offered to assist with legal fees and costs associated with a discriminatory discrimination complaint and other similar lawsuits. So this has been a very testy subject in Forestburg for multiple months. Uh, I would uh, direct everyone to go to our website at cdemocratonline.com and kind of look at Derek's uh, Kirk, who's our staff writer, who's been covering it very closely his many articles on the topic. And, uh, you know, it seems like it'll be something that uh, will be dragging out for quite a while in Forestburg. So, yeah, I guess definitely see this, uh, project and this complaint that's happening against, uh, against the town of Forestburg, uh, definitely being, uh, drawn out because, uh, I remember the previous owners also had, um, a, some controversy with them also in, in the development of Lost Lake. So it seems like this particular development is always running into some kind of situation with no matter which owner it is. Uh, and Joe, do you have information on the fire in White Sulphur Springs? It was, uh, not too far away from our studios in here in Liberty in, uh, at w, our WJFF radio Catskill studios. Uh, I believe I heard that some people got displaced because of this fire. What can you tell us? Last Wednesday, firefighters, it was a very busy day because, uh, fire, White Sulphur Fire Department, uh, responded with some help from neighboring departments, uh, to a fire on Chaffee Road in White Sulphur Springs. Um, smoke could be seen rising above the trees from miles away. Uh, it was actually a really stressful time because I believe a fire company in a neighboring district, and I don't know 100% which it is, it might be Liberty, but, uh, had another incident, I think, uh, another accident or call around the same time. So it was obviously a very time where a lot of our first responders were kind of taxed at once, you know. But uh, White Sulphur Fire operated at the scene for several hours. Uh, multiple tankers were required to bring water. At the Sullivan County uh, Legislation meetings last week, uh, John Hoschel, the fire coordinator for the county, said that uh, 13 people were displaced from the fire, which I believe the property is some type of apartment building or you know, multiple apartments there. So um, so that's all we have at this time or, or know about is that uh, the fire did cause um, some people to be displaced, but there was no uh, reports of any serious injuries that uh, we heard of. So that's obviously what's most important. You can replace things and, and properties, but uh, they can't replace people. So that is definitely true. Glad the people who were affected by this fire are getting the help that they do need. The Sullivan County Legislature recently met. And Joe, you cover the Sullivan County Legislature for the Sullivan County Democrat. What can you tell us about what happened at their latest meeting? Yeah, so there's been some talk about the drug task force. Wendy, who was just on uh, with the local edition, I believe, talked about some of those updates. Um, but uh, she also gave some very interesting numbers. Uh, the county has an OD map that kind of helps them track data related to the opioid crisis. 
And so she had shared from 2022 that across the county on the OD map, uh, there were about 215 overdoses uh, in the county, 25 fatalities and 140 uses of Narcan on a call. Um, so that was some data that was presented. Also giving his first report to legislators as the acting district attorney, Brian Connolly had some interesting updates. Uh, he talked about how they work. The DA's office uh, has gotten their indictments and superior court numbers uh, back to pre-pandemic levels, which is significant because a few years ago, the state passed um, some discovery reforms, which I'm not a lawyer by any means, but it's pretty much certain new criteria um, which is considered burdensome by a lot of the uh, uh, lawyers and such that like you have to do to like develop work for a case, to stitch showcases and stuff. Um, so, you know, to have it back up to par is a big deal. He also talked about big, couple of big public safety things on January 4th, them and the state police's violent gang and narcotics team uh, had a no knock warrant that led to the seizure of crack cocaine and fentanyl in the village of Monticello. Uh, he also talked about on January 3rd, there was reports of shots fired at the Sitco station, gas station in the village of Monticello, which the state police and the DA's office is still investigating. So a couple of really quick um, public safety briefs, but sort of big information kind of in there, especially with the drug seizure. Uh, you know, obviously it's a multi-pronged attack at the opioid crisis between uh, looking at the resources and treatments, but also our law enforcement uh, locally. We're trying to get this stuff off the streets. Definitely, definitely. I'm glad that the Sullivan County Drug Task Force is on top of that. Now, moving on to sports, you have a story about a coach who's been coaching for a very long time. What can you tell us? Yeah, so Jerry Davitt um, is uh, a coach in the now Sullivan West District, but was formerly, I think, Jeff Youngville and such. And he had been coaching for over 60 years. So our, our county has had a number of very legendary coaches, you could say, from, you know, back in the day, Paul Zentel, the late Fred Ahart, um, you know, Ron Bauer over at First Delaware Valley and now Sullivan West. And Jerry Davitt coached a lot of different sports in his 60 years, um, what is now the Sullivan West School District. Uh, but recently he's been doing a lot of the uh, developmental uh what do you call it? Uh, parts of sports. So not coaching the varsity teams, but working with like modified kids and youth and stuff. And um, he's a very beloved figure. Recently, uh, he was honored uh, at a, at a Sullivan West basketball game. They beat Tri-Valley 39-37 last week. Uh, and uh, he was honored and uh, was like just recognized by so many of his former athletes who were present, students uh, for his many years of coaching. He was actually also just honored by the Youngsville fire department for uh, serving as a commissioner for over 50 years, but he retired finally from serving on the fire commissioners. So an all around cool guy uh, who's very community oriented and stuff and uh, definitely uh, has helped to uh, inspire and, and play a role in the development of many people and athletes in our uh, area, especially the West side center to West side of the County. And how long has he been coaching? Uh, around 60 years. And how old is he? Yeah, he's uh he's eighty eighty six years old currently. Wow, that's great. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad that you know he's been honored uh for his coaching for such a long time. So thank you so much, Joe. We were talking to Joseph Abraham, the managing editor for the Sullivan County Democrat, letting us know what's happening in the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat on Newsstands Now. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rabio.
Thank you, Patricio. We have just enough time left in local edition for this update from Albany as groups opposed to Governor Kathy Ockel's choice for the next chief judge came to the Capitol today to call on her to withdraw Hector LaSalle's name, saying he's too conservative to lead the courts. Here's Karen DeWitt. Representatives from unions, reproductive rights groups, and criminal justice organizations stepped up the pressure on Hochul on Monday. No to LaSalle. Saying that Justice Hector LaSalle is the wrong choice for chief judge, based on some of his past opinions that they say are anti-labor, anti-due process, and anti-abortion. Senator Kristen Gonzalez is among the 14 Democratic senators who've already come out against LaSalle. The Court of Appeals is simply too important to be led by someone who is not wholly committed to defending the rights of women and workers. especially the most marginalized. The opposition among members of her own party means that Hochul does not have enough Democratic votes in the Senate for LaSalle to be confirmed without help from minority party Republicans. Senate leader Andrea Stork-Cousins was asked whether, given the opposition, Hochul should withdraw LaSalle's name from consideration and choose someone else. That would clearly uh, be easier, but um, here we are. The Senate on Monday also revealed who was added to its judiciary committee, increasing it from 15 to 19 members. The larger committee includes new senators who've already expressed opposition to LaSalle. That led Republicans who are in the minority in the Senate to accuse the Democrats of stacking the committee, something they denied. The committee has the power to block LaSalle's nomination from coming to the Senate floor. Hochul, speaking earlier in the month, said she won't withdraw LaSalle's name and that she finds the expansion of the Senate Judiciary Committee unprecedented. She says LaSalle has an exceptional record. He'll be the person that'll bring a fractured court together. He'll be fair. He'll be just. And a review of his 5,000 cases will reveal that. So that's why the process will be he'll go to the committee even if it's stacked. Hochul, who is a supporter of abortion rights and who has had a good relationship with labor unions, says she wants the confirmation process to continue. If the nomination does make it out of the Judiciary Committee and reach the floor, Hochul would need votes from Republicans for LaSalle to be confirmed. A date for a committee hearing on 